This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Ali Yadati, Adim Sifati, Sami Simatika Bidishan, Jalil al Qadiri Rafi, Zikri Mutail, Amri Jalig al Burhan, Fahim al Ismi Razil Ilmi, Wasil Hilmi Kathil Gufran. جميل الثناء جزيل العطاء مجيب الدعاء عميم الإحسان سليل الحساب شديد العقاب أليم العذاب عزيز السلطان ونشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له في الخلق والأمر ونشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله المبعوث إلى الأسود والأحمر المنعوت بشرح الصدر ورفع الذكر وصلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه الذين هم خلاصة العرب العرباء وخير الخلائق بعد الأنبياء أما بعد فيا أيها الناس وحد الله فإن توحيد رأس الطاعات واتقوا الله فإن تقوى ملاك الحسنات وعليكم بالسنة فإن السنة تهدي إلى لطاعة ومن أطاع الله ورسوله فقد رشد واهتدى وإياكم والبدعة فإن البدعة تهدي إلى المعصية ومن يعصلها ورسوله فقد ضل وغوى وعليكم بالإحسان فإن الله يحب المحسنين ودعوه فإنه مجيب الداعين واستغفروه يمددكم بأموال وبنين أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم إن الله مع الذين تقوا والذين هم محسنون الحمد لله Something that we've all been talking about and preparing for and anticipating for quite some time seems to be right around the corner and within our grasp, and that is the month of Ramadan. And so while it's very important and appropriate for us to talk about and discuss about how we can make the most of this month, and that is exactly my intent here today. However, what I did want to do is instead of just a general reminder or a general recounting of the virtues of the month of Ramadan, I wanted to talk about a very specific aspect of the month of Ramadan. Something that we can start thinking about, something that we can start factoring, something that we can start implementing immediately. One of the things that I will mention before I delve into the actual topic of the khutbah is that one of the most profound and all-encompassing statements of the Prophet ﷺ is about the centrality and the importance and significance of the intention within our religion. إِنَّمَا الْأَعْمَالُ بِالنِّيَاتِ And one of the things that the scholars have discussed at length when it comes to this particular narration is that the eloquence, the prophetic eloquence, the eloquence of the Prophet ﷺ is on full display within this very, very profound statement. Because the Prophet ﷺ, he talks about two very essential components of a Muslim's practice of their deen and their religion. And number one, that is the action itself, the actions that we are obligated, that we are recommended, that we are advised to engage in. And secondly, are the intentions. And the intention is basically the action of the heart. It is the internal realization of the action that is manifesting itself in the external around us. And so the Prophet ﷺ connects our external action with our internal reality 
he connects the two together using the letter ba. إِنَّمَا الْأَعْمَالُ بِالنِّيَاتِ And what's very fascinating about this letter ba, for those maybe not completely yet familiar with a lot of the nuances of the Arabic language, somebody might say you're talking about a letter from the Arabic alphabet. What do you mean it's so profound? It's a letter from the alphabet. But what we understand in classical Arabic is that even this letter is actually more than just a letter of the alphabet. This is what we call in English a close comparison to what we call a preposition. And not only just a preposition, but it's a prepositionary phrase. So their ba can be translated in a dozen different ways. Most notably here, the scholars mention about four or five different ways that this ba can be translated. One of the meanings is that the reward of actions is in direct correlation, is corresponding to the intentions. So you'll be rewarded on your action according to your intention. So the action could be very grandiose. But if the intention is corrupted, then there is no reward coming from this. In fact, there could ultimately be punishment and accountability as a consequence of this apparently, seemingly apparently noble action. Another translation of this particular ba is that actions are based on intentions. Meaning that the validity or the invalidity of an action necessitates considering what was the intention going into it. Another translation of the ba, one that very, that, that fascinates me, is what we call ba'ul isti'ana, which means that actions are aided by intentions. And this is a very powerful theme that's talked about quite a bit in the areas of psychology and personal development today. And what it's basically talking about is the importance of awareness. Awareness and cognizance. That's something that's being emphasized greatly today. That having a sense of awareness and cognizance and reflection whenever you engage in anything, why are you doing what you're doing? Because what they're saying, even from a social sciences perspective, what they're saying is that the more conscious you are, the more aware you are of why you're doing what you're doing and what's in it for you and what you're going to get out of it, the more thought you put into the action instead of just running into the action without any game plan, without any thoughts, it will give you the resolve, the resolution that is needed in order to see the action all the way through. Because challenges will come. Challenges will arrive. But if you've actually formulated a game plan and thought to yourself about what this means to you, then the very first time you face a hurdle, you won't back away. You will not be deterred, but you'll fight through it. And part of what the Prophet is saying is exactly this, that actions are aided by intentions. They're driven, they're pushed. And so it's very important that while... I know it only seems like a couple of days, but a couple of days is a big deal. A lot can be achieved and accomplished in a couple of days. But this is usually the time when shaitan gets the best of us. Because even now, with only two, three days remaining till the month of Ramadan, shaitan will still try to dissuade us and convince us that, oh, Ramadan is, right, is just a few days away. Why don't you just go ahead and wait for Ramadan? Just, just you know, start the month off strong. 
But what he's really actually telling you, translation, the translation of that is, don't worry about getting started right now. Don't worry about doing it right now. Right now, keep acting, keep living, keep prioritizing, keep engaging in whatever it is that you've been doing so far. Standard operating procedure. First day of Ramadan, you're just going to flip the switch and magically everything's going to turn on and hit the ground running 60 miles per hour. Because that's how the real world works, right? Of course not. So even now, shaitan's going to try to get away. So what I want to talk about is a very specific aspect of development and improvement during the month of Ramadan. And I want to talk about it here today so that we can start thinking about it, reflecting on it, and working on it starting today, inshallah. And that particular aspect that I want to talk about is our demeanor, our character, our reaction to adverse circumstances, to difficult situations, when interacting with uh, people that are being very aggressive and abrasive towards us, how do we respond? How do we react in those situations? Essentially, a discussion on character. Because as is said every single Ramadan, and we're reminded about this every Ramadan, there's so much of an emphasis, and rightfully so, on the spirituality of the month of Ramadan. And what I mean by the spirituality is, our translation of that is, ritual acts of worship. And these are not to be demeaned, these are not to be diminished by any means, because if God obligates it, I am in no position to say it's not important. It's absolutely fundamentally important. But nevertheless, we do sometimes become so invested into the obligation and some of the ritual aspects of the month of Ramadan, such as fasting, and taraweeh, and reciting Qur'an, that we can start to overlook some of the fruits and benefits of those actions, and we can start to not pay attention. We start ignoring and neglecting the impact that that's supposed to have on us personally. What are we supposed to look like as people afterwards? Because a big part of the month of Ramadan, as we always talk about, is helps you develop a sense of patience. What is ultimately patience? Sabr in the Arabic language even translates to tying something down. Sabr has a very fascinating, you know, um, uh, etymology and development linguistically. It carries the connotation and the meaning of being restrained. Sabr is restraint, right? Restraint. And that's why in order to develop the strength to be able to restrain yourself, the physical practice that we engage in is called sawm or siyam, which means deprivation. To deprive, it's essentially training. And so having that restraint in our character and our conduct is so important. And it's something that's so sorely lacking from our lives today. Whether it's how we respond and react within our homes to somebody saying or doing or acting in a way that is not exactly in accordance with what we would want. Whether it's how we respond and react out in public, in the street, on the parking lot, uh, uh, on the street, in the parking lot, in a store. Whether it's how we react and respond Two people at work and then out in society as a community. Because what is essentially a community? A community is a collection of families and individuals. 
And when you have people individually who are all lacking restraint, then that's a community that seems very unstable and very reactionary. And a community that does not seem to be acting from a place of stability and maturity and intelligence and game planning. But we seem very, very unstable, immature if you want, unsophisticated. So I wanted to start and end this little presentation I have for you here now. I want to start it and end it with examples from the life of the Prophet about how he taught us to respond and react in different situations. And in the middle, I'd like to kind of develop this thesis a little bit. I want to start by telling you a little story that is narrated in the Sahih Imam Bukhari. It's an authentic narration involving our mother Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha. That Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, she says that a group, a Jewish delegation basically came to visit the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa and when they came to visit the Prophet ﷺ, now they're coming to visit him as the head of state, as the head of a community. And so when they come to visit him, and they're meeting with him, greeting with him, they were familiar with the fact that the Muslims have their own unique greeting, Assalamu Alaikum. And so some of them, who were being, basically being rude, inconsiderate, disrespectful, but we're trying to do it covertly, make it a play on words. They said, Assalamu Alaikum, which basically results in what, what the ultimate meaning of that is, that they were cursing the Prophet ﷺ, wishing death upon him, wishing ill for him, and saying something very, very disrespectful to him. Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, she says, فَفَهِمْتُهَا I understood the ones who said it, I heard them I heard them clearly what they were saying and what they were trying to say from the way they must have looked at each other or snickered or laughed or whatever. So she says, I got it, what they were doing. And she became very upset. And I want you to appreciate the sentiments of Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha. Number one, she is a believer. So she has this sense of honor for the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa she is a companion of the Prophet ﷺ. So she has a very close attachment and love, deep love for the Prophet ﷺ. Admiration. And we of course know, the biggest of the details, that Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha is the wife of the Prophet ﷺ. The mother of the believers. So you can imagine this level of even protectiveness that she has towards the Prophet ﷺ. So when she hears someone attacking her husband, her, you know, for the Sahaba, the Prophet ﷺ is a teacher and a mentor. Her teacher, her mentor. And as a believer, the messenger of God, Muhammad Rasulullah ﷺ, when she hears that, think about how noble her sentiment is that she is enraged and upset. That's an admirable trait and quality. So she responds by saying, May death be upon y'all and the curse of God. Like may all of y'all be doomed and cursed. How dare you speak to the messenger this way? And when she says this, the Prophet wasallam now, now, as you can imagine, just imagine yourself being there, waiting to see what the outcome of all of this is. 
The Prophet ﷺ, if you just factor in the pure raw emotions of that situation, as I, as I just briefly laid out, the Prophet ﷺ said what you would not have expected him to say. The Prophet ﷺ in that situation, he says, Mahlan ya Aisha. He says, easy, easy Aisha. Slow down, calm down, relax. And he goes on to say, which is something we will come back to in a very meaningful way. He says, Inna Allaha rifqa fil amri kullihi. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves graciousness, softness, gentleness. In all affairs, in all matters, in all issues, in all situations and circumstances. Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, also being a, like a teacher to us, she, she allows us to learn the insights of this moment. She says, فَقُلْتُ يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهِ أَوَلَمْ تَسْمَعْ مَا قَالُوا She says, O oh, Messenger of God, did you not hear what they just said? They curse you, disrespect you. I'm reprimanding them. I'm countering them. And you're asking me to calm down and relax? Meaning, I don't understand. And the Prophet ﷺ, he says, he re- resolves this by saying, قُلْتُ وَعَلَيْكُمْ I had said, to, I heard them, meaning what the Prophet ﷺ was saying, I heard them loud and clear. And I know exactly what they were doing. I understand totally. That's why I had responded by saying, وَعَلَيْكُمْ And the same to you. So if they wish peace for me, then peace for them. If they wish death upon me, then that's what they're saying to themselves. But what the Prophet ﷺ still is advocating, what he's teaching, what he's instructing is, you do not, you do not stoop down to their level. That character, that demeanor, that behavior is something that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not love. And you are above and beyond that. You have to rise above. And rising above is rising to a level of dignity and honor and self-respect. And understanding who you are, and that necessitates, that results in conducting yourself very gracefully. With grace, graciousness. That's very, very important. The Prophet ﷺ, in a number of different narrations, he expounds upon this particular concept of how we respond and react and interact with people. And what is our default mode? Is our default mode one of abrasiveness and rudeness and belligerence and anger, harshness? And I particularly chose to talk about this particular subject because I'm speaking, I'm speaking from a personal perspective, I'm speaking from a first-hand perspective that in our culture today particularly, there is this glorification you know, we, we have expressions even in English. Nice guys finish last. And especially the younger you are, the more convinced you are that that is the absolute reality. Nice guys finish last. Somebody's smiling all the time, what's wrong with him? Is he kind of, is he okay? There's this adulation. This, this admiration for somebody being stern. And angry, scowling, harsh. You know, and just think about what it says, but how we talk about it. We talk about somebody ruling with an iron fist. We say it with a level of admiration. Man, 
He runs a tight ship. Man, he drops the hammer. Right? Think about it. Just our language is so expressive. You know, the Arabs would call words and what you say and how you speak, it expresses what lies within your heart. We admire sternness and harshness and abrasiveness and rudeness. And being able to one-up somebody's bad character. We, we, we admire it. We, it's hard to say with your tongue. So in the moment when we're asked, we might be like, no, 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 of course not. That's not good. That's not the proper character. But that's exactly what we glorify. That's what we admire. That's what we look up to. That's what we aspire to. We need to fundamentally change our programming. The Prophet ﷺ is our role model. Uswatun Hasana. How did the Prophet ﷺ act? And what did the Prophet ﷺ tell us to do? That's what I'd like to talk about here just for a couple of minutes. First and foremost, as I mentioned, the Prophet ﷺ says, In Allah, It does not matter what the situation is, Allah loves to see graciousness and softness and gentleness. In another narration, the Prophet ﷺ, he says to um, Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha, that somebody who is deprived of the ability to be soft and gentle and graceful has been deprived of all that which is good. Sometimes people will try to argue about utility. Listen brother, as far as the khutbah is concerned, it sounds great and fantastic and lovely. On a Friday in the masjid, it sounds lovely to talk about being soft and gentle and graceful, etc., etc. But sometimes you just gotta get work done. We went around smiling and patting everyone on the back and shaking everyone's hand nicely and, you know, being all smiles and happy and nice to people. We never get any work done. That again is a fallacy. It's a complete, absolute, logical and factual, you know, uh, uh, falsehood. It's a fallacy. It's just not true. How can I say so convincingly it's not true? Somebody here might be a very successful businessman and they might be like, well, that's not how I run my business. I yell at people all day long. I shout at them. I tell them to get out. I ask them if they're stupid. That's how I run things. And look at me, I'm very successful. Maybe what you haven't considered is the fact that your risk is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You're successful in spite of your behavior and your conduct, not because of it. And what does the Prophet ﷺ say? Look, he speaks about utility. We're so interested in utility. Results. I'm a results-oriented person. Let's talk results. The Prophet ﷺ, he says, Ya Aisha, the Prophet ﷺ says, Ya Aisha, Inna Allah rafiqun yuhibur rifq. Powerful. Allah is described with the word rafiq. That's all, that's all you need to know. Allah is graceful and gentle and kind. And He loves this quality. And then he says, And Allah will give you results based on gentleness, the type of results that He will not give you when you are harsh. You want results? The Prophet ﷺ is guaranteeing. You will get better, longer, more lasting results by being gentle and soft, not by being harsh. And everything else. Anything else that the world might come up with, 
This is the better way to, reserve, to receive results. Another narration, the Prophet ﷺ says, إِنَّ اللَّهَ عَزَّ وَجَلْ يُحِبُّ الرِّفْقَ وَيَرْضَاهُ وَيُعِينُ عَلَيْهِ مَا لَا يُعِينُ عَلَى الْعُنْفِ not only does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala love gentleness, but He is pleased with gentleness, and He aids a person who conducts themselves gracefully in a way that He does not aid somebody who conducts himself harshly. Even within our homes. I'm going to touch on this very, very quickly, but it's important that we bring it kind of a little bit close, as we say closer to home, that we bring it a little bit closer to the chest. That another very common predicament, and please forgive me if this is, you know, maybe too forward of me to say, but a very unfortunate and ugly reality a lot of times in our communities can be that we learn how to conduct ourselves publicly, but it does not match our conduct privately. Ramadan helps us, comes to help us figure that out. That in the masjid, hold the door open at work. Yes, thank you, please, I'm sorry. Perfect vocabulary. At home, hey, what's wrong with you? Be quiet, shut up, get out. What are you doing? It's a completely just contrast, complete contrast. When the Prophet is telling us that the best of you, ahsanukum li ahlihi wa ahsanukum li ahli. The best of you is the one who's the best to his family, and I'm the best to my family. The Prophet ﷺ talks about this. إِذَا أَرَادَ اللَّهُ بِأَهْلِ بَيْتٍ أَدْخَلَ عَلَيْهِمُ When Allah wants good for a family, He gives them the ability to be graceful, soft, and gentle with each other. إِنَّ اللَّهَ إِذَا أَحَبَّ أَهْلَ بَيْتٍ أَدْخَلَ عَلَيْهِمُ يَا عَائِشَةَ إِرْفِقِي فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ إِذَا أَرَادَ بِأَهْلِ بَيْتٍ خَيْرًا دَلَّهُمْ عَلَى بَابِ الرِّفْقِ He says, oh Aisha, be gentle, be soft. Because when Allah wants good for a home, for a house, for a family, He allows them to open the door of gentleness, softness, kindness, gracefulness within their home. So even at home, how do you respond? How do you react? How do you interact? And learn to default to an attitude, a mindset of gracefulness and dignity and softness and gentleness. And as I had said, and the Prophet ﷺ, of course, he summarizes this so beautifully. Sometimes the eloquence of the Prophet ﷺ is just so astounding. In the narration of Sahih Muslim, he says, "Inna rifqa la yakunu fi shayin illa zanahu, wala yunzau min shayin illa shanahu." The Prophet ﷺ says that gentleness, whenever it's added to anything, any situation, it beautifies it. It improves it. And whenever it, gentleness and softness is removed from any situation, it ruins it. It spoils it. And as I had you know, mentioned earlier, I'll end and conclude with another very inspiring and powerful Moment and interaction from the life of the Prophet ﷺ. At the time of Fathu Makkah, the conquest of Makkah, the opening of Makkah, when Makkah came into the fold of Islam, the Prophet ﷺ and the Sahaba were there in Makkah in the aftermath of the conquest of Makkah. And there were still a few people here and there in Makkah who had not, they had not given in yet. They were still kind of holding out. Quietly and privately, but they were holding out. 
They weren't with the program yet. One of these people was a young man by the name of Fudala, Ibn Amr al-Laythi. He goes to the Prophet's, uh, excuse me, he goes to one of the elders of Mecca who was also holding out. And he goes to him and he says that, look, I know that you're not happy, I'm not happy. There's some people who are not happy with this entire situation. But y'all aren't doing anything about it. Do you mind? Is it okay if I take care of this? Because I think I can take care of the situation. He says in his own narrative that he was very good at kind of wielding like a knife, like a dagger, almost like a shank. He said, I, can hand, I, can, I was really good at handling it. So he said, I went to him and I said, can I? He said, you go for it. If you feel like you can do it, go for it. So he says, I got my little knife. I went into the haram, the masjid. And I found the Prophet ﷺ and many of the sahaba doing tawaf, circling the Kaaba. And so I joined into the crowd. The Prophet ﷺ was on the innermost part of the circle closest to the Kaaba. So I joined into the crowd and I slowly, slowly, gradually started to inch my way inside. Until after a circuit or two, I found myself walking right next to the Prophet ﷺ. And as I was thinking about how am I going to do this, what am I going to do? I was trying to figure it, all, figure it all out so I could strike. The Prophet ﷺ turns to me and he says, Afudala? Aren't you Fudala? And he said, I was kind of taken aback for a moment. He just started talking to me like that and knew who I was and everything. And I kind of had to catch myself. And I said, yes, yes, my name's Fudala. And then he says, the Prophet ﷺ, while still looking at me, not breaking eye contact, the Prophet ﷺ looks at me and he says, Mada kunta tuhadith nafsak? What were you thinking about doing? And he says, I completely freaked out in that moment. And started to stutter. I said, لا شيء, لا شيء, كنتو أذكر الله. I said, nothing, nothing. I was doing nothing. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm here worshiping just like everybody else. And he said, in that moment, the Prophet ﷺ, he turns to me. He smiles at me. That smile that was more brilliant and beautiful than the full moon. He smiled at me. He reached out and placed his hand on my chest which is like a gesture of affection. It's like putting your arm around someone's shoulder. He places his hand on my chest. And then he tells me, Istaghfirullah. Repent. Make peace with God. Make good with God. Fix things. It's not good. The route, the path that you're going down. And he said he smiled at me and touched me and told me, he said, before he lifted his hand off my chest, Islam had entered into my heart. I had accepted Islam. I, accept, I accepted Islam right then and there at that spot. And then he goes on to tell a story about he leaves there after some time. And even on his way home, he talks about how there was a young woman that he you know, had uh, inappropriate, illicit relations with. And as he's passing by where she lived, she kind of asks him if he's free, if he'd like to come over or something like that. And he actually has some couplets and poetry and he basically tells her that, you know, any other time you would have made this offer to me, I probably would have obliged. I would have taken the opportunity. But I just found Allah in His Messenger wasallam, and this is not for me anymore. I'm a changed man. This is not... This was a would-be assassin. He was carrying a knife, standing next to him, trying to figure out how and when he was going to stab him. But the Prophet ﷺ, I talked about rising above. It wasn't just about 
repelling this man, but it was about turning this man into an asset. Changing this man's life from negative to positive. And he used that gentleness, that kindness, that softness as a means to achieve that. Barakallahu lana wa lakum fil Qur'an al-Azim wa nafa'ani wa iyaakum bil ayati wa dhikri al-Hakim astaghfirullah li wa lakum wa li sa'iri al-Muslimin fastaghfiruh innahu huwa al-Ghafur rahim Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen wa al-aqibatu lil-mutaqeen wa salatu wa salamu ala sayyidil mursaleen wa ala ahlihi wa sahbihi wa man tabi'ahum bi ihsanin ila yumiddin قال الله عز وجل في كتابه المجيد بعد أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم إن الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا أيها الذين آمنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما اللهم صل على محمد عبدك ورسولك وصل على المؤمنين والمؤمنات والمسلمين والمسلمات وبارك على سيدنا محمد وعلى أزواجه وذريته اللهم عز الإسلام والمسلمين اللهم انصر الإسلام والمسلمين اللهم اهدنا واهدنا واجعلنا سببا لمن اهتدى اللهم عنا على ذكرك وشكرك وحسن عبادتك اللهم احسن عاقبتنا في الأمور كلها وأجنا من خزي الدنيا وعذاب الآخرة اللهم وفقنا لما تحب وترضى وصلى الله تعالى على النبي الكريم قال الله تعالى إن الله يأمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربى وينهى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعيدكم لعلكم تذكرون أذكر الله يذكر ودعوه يستجب لكم ولا ذكر الله أكبر والله يعلم ما تصنعون أقم الصلاة